Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I thank you because I'm anointed to teach. And I thank you because your people are not here to receive. And we thank you for everyone here this morning that their lives will be supernaturally transformed by this word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So I'll just say this is an exhortational message on the lepers who became leaders. So the first thing I'm going to do, we're going to read the story. And when we finish the story, I'm going to give you 20 wisdom points on how the lepers became leaders. Let's go to, and, and then I, I want you to, to understand something, that every story in the Bible, there is a wisdom lesson for it. You can apply it to your life. So the Bible is not an outdated book. It's not an old school book. Let's go to Second Kings chapter 7. It's a long reading. We're going to read from verse 1 And we're going to stop at verse What now? 20 So we're reading 20 verses Beautiful Let's read Second Kings chapter 1 If you are there say amen Not if you are looking at the board If you are there say amen Okay Because the board is not going to be as fast as I am So let's read Then Elijah said Hear the word of the Lord Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seers of daily for a shekel at the gates of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, a seed with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gates. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city. And if we and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Assyrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. <laughs> And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians, to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact. Their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into the one tent. They ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back again and entered another tent and carried some from there and also went and hid it. Then they said one to another, we are not doing right. I like these lepers. They are always talking to each other. We're not doing right. This day is a day of good news. And we remain silent. If we wait till morning, 
light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, We went to the Syrian camp, and surprisingly, no one was there, not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied and the tents intact. And the gatekeepers called out and they told it to the king's household inside. So the king arose in the night and said to his servant, Let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry. Therefore they have gone out of their camp to hide themselves in the field. Saying when they come out of the city we shall catch them alive and get into the city. Like the king was there. And what, you know, sometimes people listen to the audio and they're like, which version is he using? You know, like when you hear like the king was there. I think it's, now it's me talking. And one of his servants answered and said, please let several men take five of the remaining horses which are left in the city. They may either become like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed I say that they may become like the multitude of the children of Israel left from those who are consumed. So let us send them and see. Therefore, they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army, saying, Go and see. And they went after them to Jordan. And indeed, all the road was full of garments and weapons, which the Syrian, Syrians have thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrian. So a seer of the fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Somebody say, Amen. Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate, and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two seers of barley for a shekel, and a seer of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow, about this time in the gate of Samaria. Then that officer had answered the man of God and said, Now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he answered, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gates, and he died. Interesting story recorded on how the word of the Lord came to pass. Now, because if I want to go verse by verse, by verse I can't finish it in one service, but I'd like to also finish it up today. So I'm just going to give you 20 key points from this. Number one, God's prophetic word is potent and powerful. God's prophetic word is potent and powerful. When God releases a word consigning your life, consigning your family, Concerning your nation, it is potent and it is powerful. Most times we underestimate the power of words, of the prophetic word of God concerning our life. And I'm not just talking about a word that the prophet has spoken over your life. I'm talking about the things that God has said over your life. Those times of prayers, those impressions of the Spirit... You know, the camp meeting I just preached in Saplet, it's called Catch the Fire Youth Camp Meeting. It's organized by a friend of my dad. And in 2003, my dad went to preach for this, his friend at the camp meeting in a place called Fuga in Edo State. And then I got the, so my dad came back with the flyer of the camp meeting. I was so young then. And I had the flyer, I was going through it, and I felt impressed in my spirit. The Lord told me, you're going to preach in this camp meeting one day. I mean, that's 2003. I just preached there last week. 
The word of God will always come to pass. You see, the problem most of us have is patience. And the reason is because we are always comparing our lives with other people. I don't doubt what God has said concerning me. I don't doubt it. It might take very long, but it will show up. I'm not talking about the word that someone spoke over you that's valid. I'm talking about the things that God has spoken to you prophetically that does not correspond with your situation. Maybe the Lord has told you you're going to be a blessed man. And yet you're struggling to pay your rent. That word is potent. Paul uh, Paul had to tell Timothy, remember the words, the gift that came upon you and stay it up. Wage a good warfare by these prophetic words. Number two, the word of God can transform the economy of a city, can transform the economy of a region, can transform the economy of a nation, can transform your personal economy. The word of God can change the nation. You see, the only thing that makes me not to give up in our country, or give up on our country, is because I know the things God has spoken concerning this country. It will happen. It might not look like it, but it will happen. It didn't look like the, the things are going to be as cheap as when Elijah spoke, but it's going to happen. God's prophetic word concerning your family, concerning your nation, concerning your region, it's going to come to pass. God's word can alter the landscape of regions. God's word can change this island. God's word can change our nation. We must become a people who believe that God's word is potent enough. We must become a people of faith. We must, we must be such people who say, this is what the Lord says, that settles it, and I believe it. Praise God. Number three, unbelief makes us work short of the promises of God. Unbelief. The Bible says they could not inherit the promises because they did not mix it with faith. I'll tell you this. You can have, all of you can be in this local church and have different experiences based on your faith. Praise God. Unbelief will make you walk short of what God has said. And that's what happened to the king's servant, the the economic advisor of the king. He knew too much economics to believe what God is saying. You know, and I pray that the Lord gives me the liberty to teach. I was thinking about something yesterday before I went to bed. It's all good to do investments and all of those practical things. We try to put our finances in order. But you know, the Lord was just running my head from Genesis to Revelation and just pinpointing scriptures to me of supernatural provisions. How God just supernaturally provided for people. And in as much as we're trying to put our finances in order, we're doing our budget, we're doing our this thing, let's not shut our mind to the fact that God can still supernaturally prosper us. Amen. I said amen. Let's not shut our mind to the fact that God can still supernaturally make us millionaires. Praise God. Let's not shut our mind to the fact that, listen, we can be toiling all night here and all the Lord needs to do is to just tell us that throw the net on the right hand side and you come out with a cash that your boat cannot. So in as much as we're logical, we're planning for the future, we're taking, hey, let's not throw away the fact that the supernatural still happens. 
Amen. That the money can still come to us by the blessing of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright, number four. His economic and political expertise was the undoing of the king's economic advisor. He knew too much. He knew too much. <laughs> Praise God. You know, before, before the service started, I, I, I appreciated you. And sometimes when I do some of these things, people say, oh yeah, he says, no, you don't know what it means to us. I'll tell you this very quickly. I don't want to say too many personal stories. But I'll tell you this. When you actually tell people that you live by faith, you know, some people don't understand it. That's how we've lived in the last 11 years. Trusting God to meet every need. So I'll just tell you something very why I have to do that appreciation. You know, someone came in, came in also to, to help out and got, got my wife some onions. And then this person gave us the yams. And whilst I was coming, my wife just said, oh, we need to buy these two items. Now, understand something. Not that like we didn't have the money to buy it. So don't, don't think it's that bad. No. You know, but she just said, oh, these are the two items we need to buy. And you know the funny thing? She just said it, that, oh, we need to get these two items. You know? And I said, okay. I mean, when I come, I mean, just, just casual. This is what we need in the house. Right. And then we show up. She shows up to pick me, and then we have people bring these two exact items. Nothing different. No, do, do you understand what I'm saying? It still happens. One of the things it shows is that God cares about the very minute details of your life. God cares if you have onions to put in your soup. Are, are you following what I'm saying? You see, but you see, sometimes the difference between me and you is that I see those things as God's show of love to me. You see them as normal. So maybe your reaction will be why two instead of three? Or just the arms? No. No. Learn to begin to recognize those little divine places where God does things for you. Praise the name of the Lord. Learn to just say, oh, this is the favor of God. Amen. And you know what? It will make you conscious of the miraculous. Your expertise must not get in the way of the supernatural. That's what I'm trying to emphasize this morning. It's good to think. It's good to plan. It's good to program. It's good to budget. But listen, the Lord can speak to you supernaturally. Yesterday we were watching the partner's service of um, Brother Copeland in Branson Victory Campaign, uh, Brother Most Church. And one of the, the, the highest givers to Brother Copeland was sharing his testimony. And he said, when he wanted to retire, he had stocks saved up. So he was just grateful to God that, man, God, I thank you. You know, I have all of these things. I can retire. And while he was doing that, the Lord says, give everything away. Show everything and trust me. You see, I believe that it is good to plan your giving and structure your giving. But listen, we can't allow that to also interfere with the times where the Lord is speaking to us to supernaturally go plant a seed. Praise the name of the Lord. Just as the Lord can supernaturally bring a harvest your way, the Lord can also do what? Still supernaturally ask you to give or to be part of something. And that's what happened to this man. God wanted to alter the economy of Israel, but he knew too much to believe in that. Praise God. Don't shut God out of your life. Don't shut miracles out of your life. 
those short possibilities out of your life. Keep your faith switch turned on. Don't ever put it off. Praise God. Number five, God uses the least likely to bring his word to pass. The people God used to bring his word to pass in this condition were what? Lepers. People that society had no regard for. In fact, they have thrown them outside the gate. It's the same thing with you today. Paul says not many noble are called. He uses the weak to confound the wise. You might look at your life today and feel that, oh, I've made so much mistakes in my life. I've committed too much sin. I have a rough past. I have this. I have that. And give God a million and one excuses why he can't use you to bring his word to pass. Uh, I'll tell you that. Man, that's, that, that is a feeling from the pit of hell. God can use you to get his word to come to pass. The least likely. The beautiful thing about God is that you don't have to be strong for God to use you. You know, most of us write ourselves out. Yeah. You know, if I just walk through this congregation now, just speak to anybody and say, Hey, I think you can be a pastor. Ah, not me. <laughs> well, some because of the fear of what they write about them on Facebook. But for others, it's just a feeling like God can't use me. I've done too much. But you've forgotten that the man who wrote to third of the New Testament was actually a man who <laughs> had done so much evil in his life. But you know, at other times when Paul writes about himself, he writes about himself as a saint. Yeah. <laughs> at other times, you have to understand the language of Paul. At other times, he says, chief of sin. But at other times, he says, I've done no man, no wrong. Ah, Paul, no now, guy, calm down. <laughs> my dad used to say something I've never seen it from that scripture But my dad used to say something You know The scripture records that Moses is the meekest man on the earth Right Who wrote it? <laughs> who wrote it? Uh, you don't know who wrote it again Moses He wrote about himself <laughs> Sometimes you need to stand strong in who you are in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm blessed and not cursed. I'm favored of the Lord. You're not just affirming the things you think. You're affirming what Christ has done for you. The proof that Jesus rose from the dead is the proof that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when the enemy comes with voices of condemnation, you affirm the truth of God's word. And after a while, after a while, you begin to walk in those truths. In fact, I was listening to a message. I listen to messages every day. I was listening to a message yesterday by my brother, and it was it was it was a, a, was like a prosperity convention, a finance convention, and he was talking about how to use the word afford. When he said, "I can't afford this," he said, "Why don't you start saying, well, for now, why don't we start believing God for the funds?" And you could change your language about that. Sometimes we are quick to cut ourselves off the possibilities of life. Why? Because we feel that God's well, you know, God's word is so powerful, He will use the least likely. Praise God. I said, Praise God. The, the, the Bible school director of Billy Graham actually told him that Billy Graham will not make a very good preacher. 
And then Billy Graham went out of the school campus one day by the riverside and just said, Lord, if you can use me, just use me. Oh, so see what that prayer did. There was no American president who didn't respect Billy Graham. Preached to more people than any living person. T.L. Osborne went to India with his wife when they were about 19 and 20, or either 19 and 20 or 18 and 19. As missionaries, they actually failed completely. No soul one, no power, nothing. And they went back to, to, to the U.S. on a failed mission. Sat in a meeting of William Graham. And as William Graham, I mean, that William Graham, I know there, there were doctrinal issues towards the end of his life, but I don't, I don't think there's anybody... I personally, from my study of church history, I don't think there's anybody who moved in the gifts of the Spirit as clearly and as powerful as William Abraham. And while that was going on, the Lord spoke to T.L. Osborne and said, you can do this. And he got that impartation, and he had one of the most tremendous, miraculous ministries ever. Till, to, till tomorrow. In fact, one of the miracles that happened in T.L. Osborne's crusade in Nakuru in Kenya... There was this cripple who was known all over the community. His legs were folded all over the community. People know him. He was a beggar. Came to the crusade. Power of God came on his leg. Bam! The guy walked. That was the same man who failed. Well, people have different views about his ministry, but that's not, that's not my point this morning. Joel Austin, son of John Austin, pastor of Lakewood. He was a camera guy to his dad. He used to do the TV for his dad. And when his dad, John Austin, passed on, they told him, well, you're going to preach on Sunday and probably leave the ministry. The guy was, no way, I won't do that. It was, I mean, just behind the camera. It's like telling Pastor, telling Amos that he's going to become pastor. <laughs> you see, the guy is even laughing. No way. It was just like, let me preach this Sunday, and then the next Sunday we'll fix it. He's still preaching. The church has grown in thousands. Listen to me. God can use the least likely. Don't count yourself out. Don't feel God can use you. Praise the name of the Lord. God specializes in using the least likely. Tell your neighbor, I think God wants to use you. Oh, say it one more time. Say, I think God wants to use you. To bring his word to pass. You remember that in this story, it wasn't that God was using them to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. It was. <laughs> you know, I think you see husband and wife saying, I think God's using you. say, no, it's you. God really needs to use you. <laughs> you know, but in this case, it wasn't that God was using them to preach. What did God use them to do? Come on. What did God use them to do? To bring an economic recovery. God can use you to build industries. God can use you to start businesses. God can use you to start hospitals. God can... I mean, there's a man... Um, um, we watched his film. His name is Muli. I really want us to... I think we need to watch that movie in church. I don't know when we'll come... But it's a nice movie. I mean, I watched it. Uh, True Life Story of a Man in Kenya. I bought his book. I'm reading his book now. I'd like to visit the place. A guy who was doing business and the Lord just... He, um, there's a place in Kenya called the Kibaris, Kibaria Slums. It is the largest slum in the, in the continent of Africa. The, when you mean the largest slum, it's like the largest ghetto area. Children literally eat from the, from the death. You can just go online and, and Google the largest slum in Africa. Boom, it's a pump. 
He grew up from that environment, but later he grew up and had business and everything. One day, the Lord spoke to him to go back and begin to take those children. And then he started taking one child after the other from the street, one child after. Today, they have the Muli children, so one of the largest homes, um, housing children in Africa. That's something that the Lord, you see, at the beginning, it didn't look like the Lord can do that. You know, what I've told people, stop complaining about what rich people are not doing. Stop that complaint. It's a, it's a very negative mindset. Oh, churches are not doing this. This are not. What are you doing? You might not be able to feed one million orphans. Why don't you share one food a day? Share your meal. You are complaining about what people are not doing. Yet you are eating three times a day. You eat in the morning, you eat in the afternoon, you eat in the evening. Well, let's do something. Eat in the morning and eat at night. Give your afternoon food away. See, if you give your afternoon food away, right, it means that in a year you would have fed 362 people, 61 people. And okay, let's say for the days that you did not agree at all, those days you just forgot. At least, if you give your meal away for 300 days, it means you've been able to feed somebody for 300 days. Is that massive or not? Is that massive or not? It has nothing to do with your pastor. It has nothing to do with your church. It has nothing to do with Dangote. It's everything to do with you. We can't keep talking about what others are not doing and we excuse ourselves. Praise God. I said, praise God. Ask your neighbor, what are you doing for, for the poor? And then somebody say, I'm, I'm actually the poor. <laughs> you know, don't say that here. <laughs> don't say that here. Don't be using that language. We poor people. You, no, don't say that. Don't, don't say that. I know sometimes you say it to identify. No, but don't do that. It's a wrong identification. You are the blessed in Christ. You are the prosperous. You might not have physical things to show for it now, but it's on the way. Glory to God. I can't forget the message that Dr. Mas Moreau, God bless his wonderful heart. I can't forget the message that Dr. Mas Moreau preached in the meeting at the in Lagos, winning was 2001. The title of the message was Coming Soon. You know, it was good we heard all those messages those times. And he just used a very simple analogy I can never forget. He said when he was coming into Lagos, he saw construction buildings, you know, like shopping malls being built. And then they had um, a picture. You know, when you're building a shopping mall, you have the picture of the finished product. Right? Like... You have the, do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. You have a picture of the finished building in front of the mall and they are constructing. Then on the banner, they just write, coming soon. Now what he was trying to say is that while that building looks like it's not finished, the building is coming up. One of these days is going to be like the building on the banner. Praise God. That's the same thing with your life. You might not look like it right now, but God has the finished product in mind. Amen. You might look poor right now, but actually the Lord has made you rich. You might look broke, busted, and disgusted right now, but actually God is making you to sit with princes. Hallelujah. See, if you give up everything in life, don't give up your hope. It's going to get better. Amen. I'm going to get blessed. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Don't give up your dreams. Hallelujah. Man, I traveled many times in my dreams before I traveled physically. I've been to more countries in my dreams than ever. But the problem is they teach you that when you fly in dreams, you are a witch. So that's the problem. Man, I fly all the time. I mean, you know when you're flying in your dream, you don't have to pay for visa. You can fly first class. You can change planes in the middle of the air like, oh no, I don't like this. I want to go to the next plane. You can be your own pilot. Praise God. But listen, don't give up your dreams. Amen. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Number six. Decisions. Your decision will determine your destiny. Say that. Say my decisions. You say loud and clear. Say my decisions will determine my destiny. What determines your destiny? Your decision. What you decide. What you decide. Number seven. Sitting and being stagnant won't make any difference in your life. Just sitting down. What will be, will be. Ah, we are just like this. If God wants me great, He will make me great. Sitting down won't get anything done in your life. Refuse to just be on one spot. Refuse to let life pass you by. Refuse to be a spectator. Stop being the one clapping for people. Get involved. Tell your neighbor, get involved. Get something going. Get involved. Look at this. Without risk, you will not amount to anything significant in life. Somebody say risk. Say it one more time. Say risk. Say it one more time. Say risk. Yeah. You have to take risk. Take risk and go to school. Take risk and start that business. Praise God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Most of us took risk with MMM. And we lost our money. Because we wanted to get rich quickly. It will work. I was glad you did. Good lesson. Good school fees paid. If you listen to the scripture, you won't fall into that. Learn to take risk on your dreams. If you sit in one place, you will not amount to anything. Get that book published. You know, sometimes the fear of comfort is what keeps us below our potential. Imagine if I just felt, well, if, I, if, I, if my dad sent me somewhere else to plant the church, I don't know what's going to happen, and I, and I never showed up here. We wouldn't have this wonderful church family that we have here. Sometimes you need to take risk. Number nine. Give yourself a chance to succeed. Move forward. Give yourself a chance to succeed. Move forward. You know, you want to sell something. And people say, oh, people don't buy these things anymore. You know, I was, I was, something just struck my mind in the office. I went to visit a family friend of ours. And I saw she had a very nice thing to write. Now, I, I tried to prepare my notes with laptop and all that. But I really... Don't flow. I like writing. I just like writing. So I decided to start writing again. So I remembered that, oh, that pen. So I, I asked if she could help me with one. But when I was in the office, I just thought of it that, I mean, in this day and age, if you tell people you're still producing pens, they're like, like, why? People don't use anymore. But it's not true. You know, we always have our mind that people don't buy this anymore. People don't do this anymore. But the truth of the matter is you never know. Because the next question I ask is, oh, where can I get more? Because, you know, you can't keep asking. So I'm like, oh, where can I buy it? Where did you buy it? Now, someone, I'm sure somebody's probably going to see me with it and still take it and still ask for it. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So you really never know what's going to happen until you give it a try. You never know if the girl is going to say yes until you say, can you marry me? But don't play with that one. Be sure you mean it. <laughs> Praise God. 
You know, there are people that have been backstabbed so much. I had a beautiful friend of mine, like, the guy had had so many no, that the guy was just afraid. So we told him, we had to teach him how to receive no with joy. You know how you begin to motivate people every time? A no means that God is really preparing a princess in front of you. When they tell you no, say, thank God. You know, you give all those motivational talk and say, go for it, go for it, go for it. And the guy goes there and say, how far now? Say, no, 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 no. Tomorrow. <laughs> no, the fear of failure will always keep you from trying. The first campus church I planted didn't work out. Didn't work out. Failed woefully. But today, planted more churches. So the fact that you failed at something before doesn't mean you will fail again. In fact, the chances of succeeding is higher because you already know what made you fail if you look back. So, give yourself a chance to succeed. Don't count yourself out of the race of life. That, well, I don't watch wrestlings anymore since I know that, well, I don't know for sure, but I think they're acted and I, I don't, so, I mean, you just see somebody who you thought was dead, just a guy. Okay, so, but one thing I love about wrestling is the fact that until the final counts come, the game is not over. Praise God. And all you have to do is just make sure that that third count doesn't meet your back on the floor. Even if it's to pull your back out a little, the fight continues. I mean, you can receive as much beating as you can, but don't just go up like that. Praise God. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? And the one I used to like is the whole cage fight, right? Somebody thinks he's almost out of the cage and then they just pull him back and we all start again. I like that. Have that attitude about life. Don't just receive one blow from life and you just lie down. And then you are describing your story to everybody. What happened? In 1972, my father died. In 1972, my father died. Until the point people will forget your name. When you call, you say, which brother? I say, that one that his father died in 1972. You say, yes. Your name is gone. Don't let your story replace your name. I said, don't let your story do what? Replace your name. <laughs> say, what's that guy? Say, ah, the one that his father died in 1972. Say, yes. No. The father is dead and gone. There are some people who have fathers. Their father didn't die in 1972. Their father is still alive. Almost like their father died in 1976. Even two years before his father died because they gave up responsibility. Don't give up in life. Why are you still breathing? Why give up hope? Why? Oh, I'm too old. You're never too old to get your dreams going. I'm too young. You're never too young to get your dreams going. Praise God. Okay. Have friends that will encourage you and encourage your progressive movement, even in spite of your, or your circumstances. You know what? Let me tell you this. Some of the greatest friends you will ever have are friends that in the midst of your circumstances, they believe in you. Let me explain this to you. If you have such friends, don't ever let them go. You see, most people in life, you'll find out that most people don't believe in you. Just check. Most people, sometimes, even your own father does not believe in you. Every time you bring your report card, he will show you somebody who is doing better than you. Uh, have you observed that? Like, you just bring your report card. Ah, you got to say, ah, but look at that guy. That guy is a science student. What are you doing with typewriter? Your father does not believe in you. Hey, for some of you, your father is very bold. They will tell you straight. 
I know you are my child, but I know you will not amount to anything. I mean, you know, there are people like that. They'll just tell you straight. Even Jesus Christ, when he was teaching, his mother stood outside and told the usher to call him. The mother was not in the service. And then the usher met Jesus and said, your mother wants to see you outside. And Jesus said, who is my mother? And if it was my mother, immediately he said, who is your mother? He said, me. Say who is my mother? He that hears the, my word and does my will. Why was why did the di- that's not what Jesus wanted to preach? Why did the direction of Jesus' message change? His mother was outside. He didn't wait for the service to conclude. Just say, where is Jesus? He's preaching in the synagogue. Which synagogue again? Say the one by workers' camp. Just go and call him. <laughs> and you know, some people they just say, ah, opportunity to call Jesus. The guy is preaching too much. So what I'm trying to say, Joseph brothers didn't believe in him. When, they said, when he said I was going to be king and all that, like, ah, king over us, we will sell you. You know, we pray about all these enemy things today as if it started today. And I know people use all those scriptures to preach. They, they didn't give us all those scriptures to preach that we have enemies. They gave us those scriptures to look at Joseph and the temptation he overcame and how he didn't have offense. That's the lesson you should learn from that scripture. It's not as if people are going to sell you. They will sell you. Selling you is constant. It's part of life. People will betray you. It's normal. People will hack you. They will put you on sale. Off. Didn't they sell our forefathers to go and work in plantation? So selling you is not the lesson. That you have enemies is not the lesson. How do you survive in life without enemies? I mean, you know, people just make you look like in this life, you know, everybody must not like you. Why? You are not that beautiful. Everybody must not like you. Some people don't like the way I preach. Some people prefer to listen to T.D. Jakes. That's the problem. If I was not needed, God would not call me. There's always somebody who would like the way I preach. Even some people, I don't like the way they preach. I'm a pastor, but I also don't like them. And that, that has not stopped their ministry. Have you observed that the people you don't like, you don't have anything to stop them? You can't. So they sold Joseph. Thank God that they sold him because he was moving him closer to his destiny. Jesus was betrayed. Paul even said some preach Christ out of envy that my chains make them happy. Paul, Joseph had, Paul had, Jesus had, I have, you have, we all have. That's what makes life beautiful. And Jesus, God now told us that he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies to confirm that they are always there. So that's not your problem. Your focus is the table. In spite of your circumstance, have friends who believe in you. Many people don't believe. I remember when my dad gave me the platform to preach for the first time, a couple of pastors just called him, ah, no, hey, this one, hey, hey, do, hey, ah, he's too small, he's too this one, hey, bad, oh, don't push him, don't do advice that I don't know where it's coming from. Because nobody, nobody. And now today, those same pastors, I like the way you and your son are preaching. I'm just brave. But then they never believe, but now they believe. You know, it's easier for people to believe in you when you've succeeded. Get used to it. Nobody will believe in you now. It's easier to join us now. We've got facility, air condition, everywhere. Ah, that place, the Spirit of God is there. When we were too early without something, it didn't look, it almost looked like we were setting up a shrine. It's easy. And that's just, listen, that's just life. When you are poor, you will not have many friends. But the few you have, let them believe in you. Let them not be friends who believe that all of you will die that way. These four guys told themselves, guys, <laughs> if we sit here, we'll die. If we go there, we'll die. But at least, let's die in the hands of strangers. But let's move forward. 
Have friends who encourage you to take a step. To take one step forward. Provided you're not in one place. Just go forward. Do something. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Have friends that will encourage your progress. To take one step. To give it a try. Number 11. It is the decision you make that God will empower. God didn't start the miraculous process until they moved. Most of us want God to do something before we move. No, it is when you move, God will do something. You know, some, some motivational speakers will put it this way. It is easier to control a moving vehicle. Right. If there's progress, then control is easy. Some of you don't want to do anything. Yeah. You don't want to sell anything, but you just want money. Nothing. Number 12. While you are waiting for God, God is waiting for you. While you are waiting for God, God is waiting for you. Both of you are waiting for each other. (laughs) So you need to take the step. Praise God. Take the step. Hallelujah. Take that step. Number 13. God could not use all the learned men in the city because they were bound by fear and hunger. Everybody say fear. Say it loud and clear. Everybody say fear. Number two, say hunger. These two things will keep you away from your dreams. Fear and hunger. Some people out of hunger, they just shut cut their dreams. Their life is not about, where can I just find food? Where can I just find food? The second one is fear. Just scared of what tomorrow will bring. Fear. Just scared. You see, that's why sometimes you see that in developed countries, for instance, especially the white folks, they live some kind of life that sometimes you wonder about. We enjoy it. How many of you watched the, what, what was it called? That was it the crocodile hunter, that crocodile man that, you know, you, you just see a man just dedicating his whole life to just playing with crocodiles, looking for crocodiles. And we watch it. We enjoy it. You know, some get into the forest, they're looking for ants and all that. You know, you can't try that here. Just tell your father, what are you passionate about? Say, uh, like discovering crocodiles and how they eat. Say, eh? They'll call a family meeting for you. So you, you see, so you see, the basic instinct of the average African is what? Leave school, get something to eat. So it's not about, I'm passionate about this, I want to do this, I think I should. No, 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 you can't even think that way. It's just finish and get a job. And start remitting and taking care of the next one. So we have a cycle, a continuous cycle of stagnancy. Get married, eat, grandchildren, buy your burial plots at home, build a house in the village. And that cycle continues. So you, it's not as if people in developed countries or white folks are more brilliant or more intelligent. No. So you find that the few people out of us who have stepped out to do things extraordinary, they excel. But that is not because they had all the comforts. They had all the supports. Praise God. I remember a friend, uh, Tyre, when he wanted to resign and go study stuff. I mean, you could, I mean, one of my closest friends, you could hear the advice. Don't do this. Ah, don't try it. Hey, what are you looking for again? What, what are you looking for in life? And now today, I mean, in, uh, was it last week now? No, not last week. T- two weeks ago, the New York, you know, that billboard in the New York profiled Max because he was speaking at the Harambe Stars. 
And then you now say, come to God's glory. We knew you would make it. Go on, sir. You inspire me. That's, that's how life is. But that possibility was always locked up in his system. Praise the name of the Lord. But listen, when you hear all these kind of messages also, let me put a disclaimer and a balance. Don't go home tomorrow and train your resignation later and say we are taking risk. <laughs> you have to talk to God about it and be sure of what you are doing. Is that okay? Alright. Because you know after listening to a motivational seminar, you can just go and carry a bike that you want to... Please, please. So, remember, all of the things we are talking about started from where? From a prophetic word God gave. That's the foundation. You are taking risk based on the word God gave. Right. You are not just taking risk because, okay, which risk can we take now? Don't do that. Don't do that. The foundation is what? God had already what? Spoken. So that is the framework for everything we're teaching. That's important. Everything you're doing must be rooted in the word. I have to say that. Number 14. God can use anyone to birth the miraculous. He used four lepers. He used Rahab to preserve the, the, the spies. He used Moses. Who, who thought he was not qualified to lead, lead the children of Israel. God can use anyone to bet the miraculous. Fifteen. God's word over regions, families, and nations will always come to pass through people. Whatever God has spoken in Nigeria will always come to pass through people. Whatever God has spoken concerning your nation will always come to pass through people. God spoke to Abraham about the children of Israel. It came to pass through Abraham, Isaac, and what? And Jacob. Number 16 Personal consumption is not the right thing He said this thing we are doing is not right Personal consumption Living for yourself alone Saints it is not the right thing to do in life Don't just live for yourself Don't just live for yourself You know what I realize You see To help people is not that difficult Even if it is 500 naira, for instance. You know, for some people, that 500 naira is, 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 a big, is a big cash. Yeah. You know, when I went to preach in Sabla, a guy took me, took me to go eat and come you know, back to the hotel. So when I asked him how much, he said 100 naira. In my mind, I was thinking like, ah, 100 naira, like, okay, it was fair. So I gave him 200. And he wanted to give me change. I said, no. Ah, the man was so happy. In my mind, I just thought, it's an extra hundred naira. But to wait, you know, the guy would have calculated how much probably the bike is not his. That's an extra hundred naira without having to, in terms of like, work for it. But what I'm trying to say is that that might look very insignificant to you. So the point about life is this. Even if you don't have much, look for someone that the little you have will mean a little to. Praise the name of the Lord. Number 17, think of the city, think of the region, think of the nation. Don't just think of yourself, right? Think of the city, think of Nigeria, think of Bonny Island. Think, expand your mind to the region, like we talked about that man, Muli. Expand your mind to the slums, always think that way. For instance, when we started our feeding program in church, you know, we, we do a feeding program in church, but one of the things we started doing was to take care of the elderly. In the community. Why? Thinking beyond just ourselves. We could just say, fine, let's take care of ourselves. But no, we have to think of the elderly. The people who don't have, as it were, anybody uh, providing for them. Think beyond yourself. Living for yourself is too small a life. 
Think beyond yourself. 18. God's blessings in our lives are never for personal consumption alone. They are for national rebuilding and for the saints. Say those that come out of you will be the builders of generations. Whatever God is doing in your life is to build nations. That school is to shape nations. Don't just think of yourself alone. Expound your mindset. That's how the lepers became leaders. They expounded their mindset. They led the nation from economic downtown to a time of economic recovery. Lepers who became leaders. Number 19. We must think beyond our present. Think beyond our present individual level. Think from, my child is going to a good school. So how can I make other children have access to good schools? That's the way you should think. Praise God. Are you still here? Just, don't just think of your personal comfort. Oh, I want my child to have a good life. It's over thing. How can we create a system where everyone can have a good life? You see, the, the thing with us, like, like especially for, for, for African continents and the developed country, is we always think individual. So if a man has money, he sends his child to a very good school. Right. But for, for their own system, because of the way the system has developed, they, they develop a system that at least everybody has what? The basic access to basic comfort that just gives them their choices. Of course, in those same countries, they have schools, higher league, um, Ivy League schools and the rest. But it's not as if, if you go to the public university, then there's a problem. The problem we have here is, it's about, I mean, if you want, take this option. We must develop systems. And let me say this, and I, and it's, I, I don't know, it might sound a bit controversial, but I know it's true. Don't, don't especially for the churches who have universities, don't be part of those believers who say they have built universities and the poor people in their church cannot attend. Number one, education, especially in this country, is very expensive to run. And if they want to keep that standard, it will take a lot of money. Now, how should you think? You build the one that people can go for free. They've made their choice. Are you following what I'm saying? You now set up your choice. That's the way I'm thinking right now. Do people do things I don't agree with? But I told myself, how, how long are we going to live not agreeing with people? Right? Like, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this. This one is not good. This one is not good. Look at your life. What is good? Nothing. But you are a commentator. No, let's move beyond that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, pastor, I don't have the money to start an investing. Start a lesson that people can attend for free. Oh, I don't have the money to start a lesson. We are starting your house. Give up your parlor. Let's be able to point to something. When, you're doing, when you say, this is not doing this thing right, be able to now point the fingers back at yourself and say, you know what? this guy is not doing this right, this is not doing this right, but this is what I'm doing right. Why? Because we all have been called to rebuild the nation. We all have been called to set society right. Praise the name of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, live beyond yourself. Oh, say one more time. Live beyond yourself. Number 20. Nothing just happens. Unbelief in God's word is deadly. As beautiful as this story, it ended on a very sad note. What was the sad note? The chief economic advisor of the king died. How did he die? Oh, they trampled him on feet. Now, this is why I said nothing just happens. When you hear that story, you just see, ah, the man just died for nothing. People just stepped on him. No, 
People did not just step on him. Why did the man die? Unbelief. So in life, your experiences are a product of your belief or your unbelief. Nothing just happens. It wasn't just that all people were rushing. No, there were a lot of people rushing that day. No one died except him. Because the Lord, the Lord said, you will see, but you will not experience. So actually, what killed him was unbelief. It was not that people trampled on him. I, I, I don't know if you, if you get the lesson there. Nothing just happened. It wasn't that people were just rushing. No. No. It's unbelief. You're not where you are today just because the country is bad. No, sir. You are where you are because you have believed that nothing good can come out of the country. So you are where you are. Nothing just happens. Praise the name of the Lord. We will have what we believe for. According to our faith, it will be unto us. Praise the name of the Lord. I want to challenge you today to dream. I want to challenge you today to look beyond your leprous situation and become a leader. Influence the nation back in the right direction. Influence the church back in the right direction. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, that's what, you know, by the Spirit of God, began to give birth to how, why I wanted to teach on the gift of the Spirit. You can't stand in the pulpit every day and say, oh, that guy is not using the gift well. That guy is not using the gift well. No, that's not the ministry. What's the ministry? To teach your people. Because when you teach your people, they'll be able to identify what is right and how to put it to work. So, I want to challenge us today. Do something positive. Right. Do something positive. Care for someone. Live beyond yourself. I'm not saying only the people who have money. Everybody listening to me, make a decision today that you live beyond yourself. Praise the name of the Lord. Skip a meal and help someone. Skip buying some dresses and be of a blessing. Praise God. Let's live beyond ourselves. And most importantly, let's think about our nation. What can we do? Oh, lecturers are collecting bribes. Can you become a lecturer and get into the university and be the one who does not collect bribe? Let's think of the nation. Let's not give up on the country. Let's not give up on the region. Let's not give up on our society. We are God's men of the hour. We are the ones He's trusting to bring about a change. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we yield ourselves to you this morning. And we ask that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that will be empowered by the Spirit of God to bring about transformation. And we pray, Father God, for every seed, dream seed in the hearts of everyone here. And we ask that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that dream seed comes to pass. Those things in their life they thought will never come to pass. In Jesus' mighty name, we command them to come to pass in the name of Jesus. Let those dreams come to pass. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.